Revanchism is a political and ideological movement that seeks to right perceived wrongs inflicted on a group or nation, typically through the use of force. The term revanchism comes from the French word revanche, which means revenge or retaliation. Revanchists believe that their group or nation has been victimized and seek to reclaim what they see as their rightful place in the world. Revanchists often view themselves as a marginalized or oppressed group that has been subjected to unfair treatment or exploitation. They see their struggle as a just cause and believe that their actions are necessary to restore justice and redress past wrongs. It is often associated with nationalism and patriotism as they see their struggle as a way of defending their country or people from external threats. Revanchists typically reject compromise or negotiation with those that they see as their oppressors. Instead, they advocate for a strong and aggressive response, often using violence or the threat of violence to achieve their goals. They view themselves as freedom fighters, defending their people against tyranny and oppression. The specific goals of revanchist movements can vary widely depending on the context and the grievances of the group in question. Some revanchists movements seek to reclaim lost territory, while others aim to assert their cultural or political dominance. In some cases, revanchism can lead to conflicts with neighboring states or with the intergalactic community, as other governments may view revanchist movements as a threat to regional stability or star system security. This philosophy is a complex and multifaceted phenomenon. It is characterized by a sense of victimization and a desire for revenge or retaliation, often leading to violent or confrontational tactics in pursuit of its goals. It is unclear who Darth Revan was prior to his time in the Jedi Order. Not much is written about him, but much of what he left as a legacy was befitting of his name, even going so far as to be referred to as THE Revanchist by later generations. He saw the upstart Mandalorian Empire humiliate his people, while the ruling class and Jedi Council stood by and did nothing, allowing the Republic to be brought to its knees. They allowed many worlds to be slaughtered, fleets cowered away in defeat, and the Mandalorians made sure to rub it in their faces. This was the primary motivation for Revan and his cult to never allow themselves to be disgraced again, and to expunge those who allowed it to happen, not simply to resist the aggressors, but to dominate and annihilate them. Knowledge is power. Revan's early life is shrouded in mystery and speculation. As much of his history was deliberately erased and manipulated by outside forces. In fact, Revan is a moniker he adopted during the Mandalorian Wars. The historical record of his birth name is fuzzy at best. Many have come forward with a guess, with scant supporting evidence, however. He was born on an unknown planet, and from a young age he showed exceptional aptitude in the Force. His unique abilities caught the attention of the Jedi Order, and he was brought to the Jedi Academy on Dantooine for training. 
There are even rumors that he was trained by the soon-to-be Jedi heretic, Kreia, while she was still a member of the Order. From the beginning, Revan stood out among his peers. He displayed a natural talent for mastering the Force. Quickly progressing through the ranks of the Jedi Order, he was known for his sharp intellect, inquisitive nature, and unyielding determination. The youngling had a deep hunger for knowledge and was constantly pushing the boundaries of Jedi teachings, often challenging the traditional beliefs of the Order. This insatiable desire is perhaps even more dangerous than the lust for power that often overtakes those who turn to the dark side. Indeed, there are secrets in the Force more powerful than the most awesome of superweapons. The young student excelled in lightsaber combat, quickly becoming a skilled du duelist. He studied various forms and honed his skills with the weapon, developing a unique fighting style that combined elegance with precision. He also had a natural talent for piloting and frequently participated in missions and battles alongside his fellow Jedi. During his time on Dantooine, he grew a close friendship with another Jedi upstart, a highly competent strategist and lightsaber duelist, an orphan by the name of Alec. Though both were recognized as having unusually high potential, it was the consensus that the one who he would come to know as Revan was the superior talent. Despite his exceptional abilities, Revan remained humble and dedicated to the Jedi Code. He was known for his compassion towards others and had a strong sense of justice. He often went out of his way to help those in need, even risking his own safety to protect others. He was respected and admired by his fellow Jedi for his wisdom and leadership qualities. Both Alec and Revan trained primarily under Master Jar Leston, a Twi'lek male and member of the Jedi Council. Leston recognized the young Padawan's abilities and nurtured in him the desire for knowledge, believing it to be Revan's greatest strength. This sentiment was not shared by all of the council, however. Master Vrook Lamar made his objections to Revan's hunger for the secret knowledge known, believing it to be a potential path to the, to the dark side, insisting that there were some things best left buried in the dust heap of galactic history. As it happens, his fears were not completely unwarranted. Few mention those names around here anymore, but I suppose it is just as dangerous to deny they were ever part of the Order. When I was still on Coruscant, Revan and Malak often came to me for additional training. In particular, Revan's hunger to learn seemed insatiable. I should have recognized this as a warning sign, but I perceived the young Padawan's lust for knowledge as simple exuberance and eagerness. Revan was my most promising pupil. One I felt sure would someday become a champion of the Jedi Order. The Jedi Order means. As he progressed in his training, Revan began to question the traditional teachings of the Order. He sought to understand the Force in its entirety, including the mysterious and often misunderstood dark side. This unorthodox approach to the Force garnered both admiration and skepticism from his fellow Jedi as he delved deeper into the mysteries of the Force. <clears throat> a Jedi historian, a human man by the name of Mikal, had been a scholar at the Enclave on Dantooine during Revan and Alec's tutelage, and he noted that the student was often found rummaging through Jedi libraries, soaking up as much knowledge as he could. One technique which he was particularly interested in was the Force Bond, which was a connection built between two Force users, often a master and apprentice, in which they, when they were together, they would actually amplify each other's abilities, 
A forced bond would also form a strong emotional connection with a bonded, to the point where the two subjects could literally feel the emotions of the other and have powerful influence on the one another. Presumably, this is a connection that Revan and Alec shared. The Mandalorian Wars Several years ago, when the Mandalorian threat first arose, Revan and Malak were eager to journey to the Outer Rim to defeat the enemy of the Republic. But the Council felt it best if we moved with care and caution. The true threat the Council feared had not yet revealed itself. But Revan would not be dissuaded. Charismatic and powerful, it was inevitable many of the Order would flock to Revan's seemingly noble cause. Malak was the first to join his closest friend. Others soon followed, many of our youngest and brightest, intent on saving the galaxy from the Mandalorian threat. They were foolish to disregard the Council's wishes. When news of the Mandalorian invasions on the Outer Rim reached the Revanchist, he decided to investigate the threat himself. Finding the Mandalorians to be far more dangerous and posing a much greater threat than Republic propaganda was giving them credit for, he sprang into action, amassing a movement to lobby the Jedi High Council to commit to fighting the Crusaders. His concerns fell on deaf ears, as the Council felt their numbers and morale had not yet recovered from the previous Great Sith War two decades earlier. Against the wishes of the Jedi Order, Revan, along with his closest friend and confidant, Malak, decided to join the fight with a small but devoted group of followers. Revan's involvement in the Mandalorian Wars was a pivotal movement in the history of the galaxy. At the time, the Mandalorian clans were raiding worlds throughout the Outer Rim, and the Republic's military forces were struggling to contain them. Despite the severity of the conflict, many in the Republic Senate were hesitant to commit troops to fight the Mandalorians, not unlike the Jedi High Council fearing that it would deplete the Republic's military resources. By the time he joined the war effort, fighting had already been ongoing for years. Revan, however, was one of the few who recognized the true danger of the Mandalorian threat. At the Battle of Sereco, for instance, the Mandalorians had pe peppered the planet with dozens of nuclear bombs, taking no prisoners and employing a scorched earth policy, showing just how little mercy they were willing to extend. He had studied the Mandalorians extensively and had an understanding of their warrior culture. He believed that the Republic needed to take a more aggressive stance against the Mandalorians, and he convinced many of his fellow Jedi to join him in this fight. The Mandalorians held a particular grudge against the Cathar because of a humiliating defeat they suffered at, the hands, at their hands during the Great Sith War. Mandalore the Ultimate commissioned his top general Cassus Fett to lead the charge on the planet. The reinvigorated Mandalorians were out for blood. They did not simply want a strategic victory, they wanted total annihilation. In a surprise attack, the Mandalorian fleet encircled Cathar, not allowing any ships to escape, and swiftly destroying all communication satellites to ensure they could not call for help. The Cathar were not an official member of the Galactic Republic, making military aid non-obligatory and non-existent. Basilisk war droids rained from the heavens, wiping out almost any chance of mounting a defense against the onslaught. The Cathar defense forces were easily dealt with, but that wasn't enough for Cassus. He gave the order to wipe out every living member of the Cathar species, herding them into the ocean by the hundreds of thousands to drown them alive. Some of the Mandalorians protested this, saying it was completely unnecessary. They met the same fate in the ocean. The Cathar Genocide is perhaps one of the ugliest events in galactic history, which sent the species into virtual extinction. When Revan had just a small number of followers, he was carrying out a mission for the Republic, investigating what had happened on Cathar. While he was there, he was confronted by an entourage of Jedi sent by the Council to prohibit him from engaging in the Mandalorian conflict. 
just then, mid-conversation, he picked up a Mandalorian helmet, and suddenly all of the Jedi in the vicinity were struck with a Force vision, where the events that had happened on the planet were replayed in all of their minds. The Jedi witnessed the massacre as if they were there themselves, even pulling out their lightsabers ready to engage in combat with Mandalorians, watching the battle play out in vivid detail. When the vision ended, and everyone witnessed every grisly rape and murder, it converted the Jedi, who were initially there to oppose Revan, into Revan themselves. It was here that the Revan moniker was adopted as the events on Cathar convinced the rogue Jedi that the Mandalorians were irredeemable and must be stopped by any means necessary. He was now determined to unleash his wrath on the Mandalorian blight. The war was brutal and unforgiving, and Revan quickly gained a reputation as a brilliant military strategist. He led the Republic forces to a string of victories across the Mandalorian armies, and his daring tactics and unorthodox strategies proved to be a constant thorn in the Mandalorian's side. With Revan at the helm, the Republic was able to push back Mandalore, the Ultimate's forces, and secure many of the worlds that had been previously lost. Regardless of his successes, Revan's methods were often seen as controversial. He was willing to take risks that others were not, and he was not afraid to make difficult decisions that resulted in loss of life. Some of his followers, Jedi, began to question whether he had fallen to the dark side, as his actions seemed brutal and merciless, unbefitting of a Jedi Knight. Despite these concerns, Revan remained steadfast in his conviction that the Mandalorian threat needed to be eliminated at all costs. He continued to lead the Republic forces into battle, even as the conflict began to take a toll on his mind and body. Malachor 5 As the years of the war grinded on, Revan was beginning to get more anxious to see an end to the fighting and defeat the Mandalorians once and for all. He employed the services of a close friend and subordinate, a Zabrak engineer by the name of Baudur, to construct him a superweapon. The device was about the size of a small space cruiser, a cylindrical-shaped machine that could exist in real space and hyperspace simultaneously, and was dubbed the Mass Shadow Generator. The concept of the design was to utilize the gravity of nearby planets to quite literally crush enemy ships like a tin can. The plan was to lure the Mandalorian fleet to the Malachor system, where the weapon would be sprung on Mandalore the Ultimate in a swift move to cut off the head of the dragon. But things didn't go exactly according to plan. When the Jedi General was on his way to the system to rendezvous with the Republic fleet, he was intercepted by a Mandalorian scouting party and delayed in getting to his final destination. When he did ultimately arrive at Malachor V, the fighting had already begun and was perhaps the largest naval battle the galaxy had seen up to this point. In the midst of the battle, Revan was able to locate and board Mandalore the Ultimate's ship, pursuing him to a chamber where they would have a final showdown. Mandalore, realizing that he had been led into a trap and his fleet being bombarded by the surprise attack, challenged the Revanchist to a mono a mano duel to the death in a last-ditch attempt to save his own life. The general accepted, probably believing himself to be the superior duelist. As Revan's lightsaber clashed against Mandalore's battle axe, the ruthless leader's efforts proved no match to the fighting prowess of the Jedi Knight. With one saber lightsaber wound after another, Mandalore was now bleeding out and within an inch of death. He slowly removed his iconic helmet, revealing his gray tong skin, sharp yellow eyes and large crested brow. He proceeded to explain to his victor 
why he invaded the Republic. Mandalore told Revan that he had been manipulated into launching the war at the behest of a Sith pureblood who is alleged to serve a powerful Sith Lord. With his dying breath, he explained to Revan that he had been led to the ice world of Rekiad by this clandestine character to an ancient, where an ancient Sith tomb lay. When the two entered the gravesite, the pure blood went into a trance, wherein he prophesied that Mandalore would revive his people to be a great empire that would conquer the Republic. Revan, finding it hard to believe that the Tong clan leader could be so easily duped, was skeptical. But Mandalore explained that this Sith was using a dark side magic on him, influencing his mind, almost as if he had lost control of himself. Just then, the Mandalorian leader, who had been such a menace, breathed his last. Revan took his helm as a trophy of his victory, left the flagship, and joined the battle. When the Mandalorian fleet was close enough to the mass shadow generator, one of Revan's top generals, Mitra Surik, who would later be known as the infamous Jedi Exile, gave Bauer Dur the order to use the weapon. The results were terrifying. The gravity well that the superweapon created devastated the Mandalorian fleet, instantly crushing large and small vessels alike. Even a good portion of the Republic fleet was caught in its wake. It is likely that hundreds of thousands, possibly even millions of soldiers were killed in the battle. If that wasn't enough, the planet Malachor V was being ripped apart limb by limb from the gravitational blast. Virtually the entire population of the once lush world was wiped out, including the many species of flora and fauna. Massive earthquakes shook its tectonic plates, and dormant volcanoes came alive, launching to a toxic ash that enveloped the atmosphere. The surface began to crack and separate, revealing the hot, molten core. The planet's fissures could be viewed from space, like gaping wounds. They would be a constant reminder to future generations about the nightmarish conclusion of the Mandalorian Wars. The once green and thriving world was now a graveyard with a hue of grayish-red, encircled by chunks of rock and flattened vessels in its orbit. True to his name, vengeance had been carried out, but not without a cost. The events at Malachor would cause untold trauma, which many would not recover from. Its damage would spread beyond that of the physical mayhem it caused. A wound in the force had opened up, setting up the events that led to the dark side triad of Darth Treya, Nihilus, and Sion, the Lord of Pain. But that is a story for another day. Into the Abyss. Revan was not yet finished with the Mandalorians. He continued to pursue them with his army, and refused to return Mandalore the Ultimate's helmet, presumably to lord it over and humiliate them, to guarantee no one would ever claim the mantle of Mandalore again. He was not seeking an explicit policy of genocide against the Mandalorians, but he wanted to demoralize and divide them enough that there would be no possibility of another chieftain rising from the ashes to reunite the clans. At this point, the general had almost exclusively worn the Mandalorian mask he found on that fateful day on Cathar, a tome to remind everyone of his mission and purpose. 
To this point, people even began to forget what he looked like, or even what his name was prior to Revan. This rubbed the defeat in the Mandalorians' faces. To many of them, he was mocking them. By now, the Jedi Council had all but declared Revan and Malak as apostates for their actions at Malakor, and demanded they, along with Mitra Sirik, be brought before the Council for judgment. Naturally, Revan and Malak refused their request, but Sirik did not. She believed her actions were justified, but was still committed to the ways of the Jedi, and was willing to defend herself against the Council. By this point, Revan and Malak's conversion to the dark side was well on its way, and Malak wanted to kill Mitra before she returned to the Jedi, but Revan responded that she was, quote, already dead. He was likely referring to the fact that his former general had begun to lose her connection to the Force as a result of the Force wound at Malachor V. Revan and Malak abandoned their Revan chists in order to pursue a Sith tomb that Mandalore the Ultimate had told him about. They ventured off alone into the unknown regions to the planet of Rekiad. Here, they encountered the tomb of Dramath II, a Sith leader who reigned just prior to the Great Hyperspace War and was half-brother of Darth Vitiate. Dramath was a wise and learned Sith and had a number of disciples. The tomb his followers created for him was meant to be a place to leave his teachings for future generations to find. Indeed, in the dead Sith sarcophagus, there was a Dedacron that revealed a hidden Sith Empire which held knowledge that was not even conceivable to the Jedi, something that was particularly alluring to Revan. The information that was revealed confirmed Mandalore's claims about the Sith pureblood that he had met. At this, Revan placed Mandalore the Ultimate's helmet in the sarcophagus to ensure that the Mandalorians would never find it. The pair then departed, following the clues left behind by the Datacron. Revan and his sidekick were now determined to go down a dark road to reveal forbidden knowledge, as Master Vrook had forewarned all those years earlier, while he was still an apprentice. Revan and Malak's path would ultimately lead them to the dark side, only to invade the Republic in which they so bitterly defended during the Mandalorian Wars, launching the Jedi Civil War. His story is far from over, but his actions up to this point as a Jedi Knight and Republic General would have reverberations that would be felt throughout many generations. Jordan here. Just wanted to let everyone know what's happening here at the Star Lords podcast. Star Lords is now on Discord. If you would like to join the Star Lords Cantina Discord server, you can find a link in the description or on any of our social media accounts. Reach out with a DM or email. We'd love to hear from you. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter by searching the Star Lords podcast. Go ahead and give our page a like and send us a message. You can also email at starlorespodcast at gmail.com. Send us your fan art, Star Wars collections, or fan fictions, and you may even get a feature on one of our pages or even the show. Don't be afraid to offer corrections or add to any of the topics that we discuss on the show. We are also on Patreon, so if you want to help us pay the bills as well as get a few awesome perks like bonus episodes, access to the private Facebook group, or the VIP section of the Discord server. Head on over to patreon.com forward slash starlores and sign up for as little as one US dollar a month. And finally, make sure to subscribe to us on your favorite podcatcher app or YouTube, as well as sending us a five-star review on iTunes. This really helps us reach a wider audience. Enjoy the rest of the show. Welcome aboard the Millennial Falcon. This is Jordan. And this is Christian. Uh, we are just here on the planet of, just landing on the uh, 
planet of Cathar to see the genocide memorial uh, of the Catharians or the Cathars. How do you say that? Cathars? <laughs> yeah, Cathars, yeah. I think. It's a beautiful statue in the yeah. middle of the ocean. Those poor kitty people. <laughs> <laughs> cat folk. Yeah, the cat folk. Who, who, who? Isn't that, mass on, kills that's, cats. That's, that's racist. <laughs> yeah. I shouldn't call them cat folk. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> um, anyways, uh, yeah, so here we are talking about uh, the Revenchist. Revan, um, probably one of the biggest expanded universe characters, uh, I would say, like, definitely has, like, a lot written about him. Um, there's been a lot of material made around the Knights of the Old Republic games, um, both in novels and... Uh, comics. Comics, and yeah. Uh, just expanded material. Yeah. Video games, obviously. Yeah. Where it all started. Yeah, and there's a lot of, like, tertiary material in, like... I, I haven't really played it much, but in uh, the Old Republic Online, there's yeah. a lot of mentions, and I guess from what I understand, like added lore of Revan. Oh yes, there is. Yeah. <laughs> and it's uh divisive. <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, it definitely is. And I almost got to the more device, the more um, let's call it controversial parts of Revan's character. But so I, I actually wanted to say this too, but um, just as I was getting there, I was like, this episode is going to be way too long. Uh, and this is actually, so we've had some episodes previously like uh, Mark Aragnos and like Nagasato. Uh, and those episodes were fun and they're good and all. And I'm glad we did them. But those guys are like, there's not a ton of material. And yeah. it's hard to write a whole And their episode. story is very like one dimensional. Like yeah. Series of events, basic motivations, not a lot of complexity. Yeah. These guys more, they these characters really more serve as... Um, uh, objects for other bigger stories in the Star Wars universe. They're not really big stories in and of themselves. Yeah. Um, whereas Revan is not like that. Revan is like, there is so much material. That, a multifaceted story in yeah. and of itself, not just a setup prop for, That's right. for the future. So. Yeah. yeah. Um, so like this was, no, we did not have the problem of like not enough material. There's like way, way too much. So, uh, obviously, um, we didn't cover every aspect of Revan. Yeah. I think most people who are listening to this probably are familiar with Revan in the video games, the Knights of the Old, and know like the conclusion. Yeah. Revan so, is one of the most popular EU characters in the community. Yeah, uh, he's one of my personal favorites too. Yeah. Like, uh, there's a lot of people that would agree with you. Yeah, <laughs> uh, it, he's yeah, really. I think they did a really. That was like the real. In, to me, the Knights of the Old Republic games, though I do have my criticisms, like the strength was like the characters and the dialogue and the script and the writing. Like that was like really one of the strengths. Uh, I have always criticized KOTOR for not being that original in terms of like the world building. Uh, it was all, all of the technology is exactly the same in 4000 BBY as it is in yeah. 1 BBY, uh, you know, so... I've thought it wasn't that creative. And you have things like, you know, Calto, which is basically Bacta. Yeah, but like, why not why just, don't just use Bacta? Bacta? Why create this whole thing called... It's like, I thought it was kind of silly, but uh, there's... Minor gripes. Yeah, I have some gripes with KOTOR, but the its strength really is its characters and... Um, story. The story the around, yeah, yeah, the, the, around the characters. Uh, and Revan is... is um, one of those. I just want to say real quick too, um, it is amazing that a character that's meant to be this blank slate character yeah, yeah. is so like, maybe it is because people are, do relate to him so much because they've imposed themselves. That's or, right, yeah. But it, yeah, it's, it's kind of funny that this blank slate character actually has so much about him and is such a popular figure. Yeah. He's both everything and nothing at the <laughs> <Yeah>. same time. <laughs> it's true. funny. Yeah, I mean, you could even say that a bit about Mitra Sirik as, as well. Yeah, exactly, she, another player character. Yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, anyways, um, so some interesting things. So like Revan and Malik's names, so they had different names before they had these monikers, but these yeah. were not dark side names that were given to them by like some Sith, Sith yeah. which is not, I think we think like they did eventually adopt 
the Darth, the title of Darth. Darth. But they were already going by they, Revan yes, and Malak before uh, the Darth. Yeah, exactly. Before the Darth came, they were already Revan and Malak. And that is, tradition too, it happens later on where people will adopt the Darth something moniker. Like that's not even typical of Sith at this time either. Okay, yeah. More or less. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so it is kind of interesting. And like Revan and Malak is like obviously um, sort of a... a a call out to revenge and malice, right? Like yeah. that's what they're supposed As to. As Sith names are, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they're sort of like this, yeah. This this dual duo of revenge and malice that they're gonna bring on the uh, the Mandalorians, right? And that's kind of where they 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 adopt these names and sort of Malak's. Uh, we'll we'll have to do an episode on Malak one of these days, but yeah. um, it definitely it's almost kind of ridiculous how he got his name. He was like he. He he was just he was like um, I have to go back and read the story, but it was something to the effect of he was uh, going undercover as a captain, and he called himself Captain Malik, and he sort of like kept that name. <laughs> um, I I kind of feel like in the games when they originally conceived of him, that wasn't <laughs> their, what their intention. Yeah, was. <laughs> that that wasn't exactly this like ominous uh, uh, sounding villain name. But that's the thing is these weren't villain names, even though we all sort of associate them with villain names and they sound like villain names. They were actually like supposed to be heroic and inspirational. Like they were going to defend the Republic uh, no matter what the cost. And they were going to um, sort of uh, uh, bring in, uh, do what others were not willing to do. Right. Um, so I, Another kind of interesting thing about Revan that sets him apart from typical like uh, um, Dark Lords of the Sith is like, you know, you have someone like Darth Sidious who's really motivated by like a lust for power. And there's a lot of, especially in the Sith, old Sith Empire, it's a lot of just like um, power games and power for the sake of power. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, and, and um you know, Darth Vader was sort of, he was more motivated by like wanting to save Padme, right? Like yeah, a, a more tragic yeah, uh, motivation. Yeah. It was more like a Yoda's line, like uh, pain leads to suffering, suffering leads to the dark side, right? Like that, that's kind of more Vader's um, path to the are, dark side. Yeah. But Revan was like a little bit different. He was like, he, he, actually didn't there's no not a lot of evidence that he really cared that much about power or even fame yeah. like he was really motivated by a strong revenge. sense of justice um uh, yes revenge but it was actually like he he really he believed yeah he was a true believer in his cause yeah absolutely. he he was very ideological and he really believed in his cause and it, and he thought he probably thought that like um I'm a bit conjecture here but he probably thought like the the um the Jedi Council was like uh, abdicating their duty to defend the yeah. helpless, right? Like, especially after the events at Cathar, uh, where they witnessed the genocide happen and they saw. And we have to remember here, like, the Mandalorians were like so brutal. They were just, uh, it was very traumatizing to watch the Mandalorians like. Uh, pillage and yeah. burn their way across the galaxy. Yeah, yeah, it's and the Mandalorians actually had like a like they called themselves the Neo Crusaders, yeah. right? Like they uh, they had this goal to just like uh, cause wreak havoc on the Republic. Um, just to derail a little bit for a sec there, sure. that kind of relates to the whole theme of revanchism, which I hadn't thought of even until we were kind of going through the narrative, but you can see revanchism kind of like rear its head in this like cycle of violence yeah. because the Mandalorian, the Neo Crusaders were taking revenge for their loss and the as the original yeah. Crusaders. Yeah, right. Yeah. So they were acting out of a sense of re revanchism themselves. That's true. Yeah. And then you have Revan come in with his sense of revanchism yeah. and then it's just these constant back and forth cycles of violence that just perpetuate. And then, Beyond that, you then you have the counter reemergence of the Mandalorians, who again were embarrassed and and broken up at at the end of it, uh, it leading into the Jedi Civil War. So it's just like this constant cycle of brutality, yeah, that just keeps reinvigorating itself. Even if like the fighting forces think they have a just cause, 
right? Like from the Mandalorian's perspective, obviously they're right. Yeah. You know, and they're just taking back what was taken from them and the embarrassing loss that they suffered and vice versa, right? So there's also a part of like where, again, like Revan was the, um, the perennial student and always studied his enemies very well. And he understood like the, the uh, culture of the Mandalorian that they were also sort of antagonizing the Republic because they wanted the Republic to give them a good fight. And the Republic was just like too weak need. And the Jedi council just like, wasn't taking them seriously. So I think they kind of kept upping the ante to get yeah, a reaction. Yeah. Cause they wanted they like their culture they, is based is a, around, this is a warrior culture yeah. and they wanted a fight. And if you play the games and you, um, you interact with, um, Oh, what's his name? The Mandalorian in uh, that becomes part of your party. Candorus Ordo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, with uh, Candorus, when you interact with him, he sort of he sort of says that like they they love the glory of the battle and they wanted um, an equal to fight with, and the Republic just wasn't giving that to them. So they kept just getting more brutal and more merciless. And I think Revan under Revan was like actually the only person who understood that. Yeah. Re- Revan perhaps did save the Republic and like actually did understand how serious the threat was. But like it again, like no one was really taking it that seriously. And so he understood that you had to respond in kind with equal brutality and equal mercilessness because that was the only language that, that the Mandalorians understand. could understand, yeah. right? Um, so there's like that very interesting dynamic and yeah, but yeah, I mean, it's just like, you wonder if like, because it seems like also as the Mandalorians started raiding and they brought in more and more clans and then their army grew bigger and bigger and they started uniting the clans under Mandalore, the ultimate, uh, if the Republic had intervened earlier, perhaps they could have stopped, stopped that it process. before it yeah. got too big. Yeah, that's true. Um, kind of relating, jumping into real world politics for a quick second on Reven- Revenchism. Right, yeah. Um, those cycles of violence, though, it's interesting if you read through like Revenchism as a, a real life phenomenon. Yeah. Um, you see that same thing, right? Uh, so a lot of re- like the, the word of re- Revenchism from the, from the French uh, came from the uh, French being defeated by the um, pre-Germans, the Prussians. Yeah, the Prussians. Yeah, yeah. by the Prussians. Yeah. Um, and so, like, it, it wounded the French national pride, and it created a sense of like wanting revenge, uh, which leads into World War One with disputed territories like Alsace and Lorraine, which you'll hear frequently all through the early, uh, well, late 1800s and early into the 1900s. Uh, which leads to World War One, and then you have German national pride wounded, yeah, and World War Two, right? Yeah, the Treaty so, of Versailles, exactly. Yeah, everything. So like again, that. it's this kind of repetitive cycle of violence of like yeah. wounding each other back and forth, <coughs> and uh, similar to like the Mandalorians and yeah, the Republic <laughs> or the Jedi. But <coughs> sorry, um, yeah, it it like um, that is like a big kind of motivating factor and that like colors sort of everything Revan is doing. And, um, especially his like very traumatic experience watching the genocide of the Cathar of the Cathar, which is also related to a historical event with the genocide of the Cathar, uh, religious sect. Oh, okay. As well in in real life. The Cathars were like a fringe, um, not, like they were tied to Christianity, but not quite Christian. Okay. Uh, but the Catholic Church genocided them. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. So that's yeah, the, ripped right from history. Even there the you go, yeah. Which is kind of typical of a lot of Star Wars. But, <laughs> uh, um, yeah, like, like, yeah, uh, I think, I think, like, viewing that, it's like, I don't know, like, there, there are, like, certain podcasts and books I've read of just, like, really horrific events that happen and even i feel that like i want to hurt these people who for did what this they did. and yeah. they like it really like like for maybe it's just a certain personality but like it pulls out that sense of justice that you yeah. have like this cannot go unanswered like it needs to be yeah it's more than just getting equal it's like you want yeah. revenge yeah exactly yeah. um so that yeah it's definitely like a huge motivation for um 
uh, uh, Revan, but it's sort of the, all the events kind of culminated in the battle at Malachor five, uh, which I, uh, which was like just another horrific event, right? Like it's just one horrific event just, yeah. after yeah. another. Yeah. You start to lose like any kind of redeeming anything. Yeah. And I think, I think by this point, Revan had become like extremely jaded, even though he had basically won the Republic's full support. Uh, and this is also kind of an interesting dynamic is like the Jedi council was still against this war, even right up to the end. And they weren't like supporting it. Um, but a lot of Jedi had left, uh, again went against the jedi council's wishes and joined the war effort right and this is this is kind of the animus that led to the jedi civil war a few years later but like this it was this split over the mandalorian question right yeah. like what what will we do with these mandalorian <laughs> the mandalorian question yeah. i don't like that yeah <laughs> well i i don't know how, how else to put it right like yeah, what, no, what, no. what will we do with these mandalorian <laughs> right um but um that was like a real divide in in uh in the Jedi order. So um but uh yeah, like the events at Malachor five really uh were very devastating and um uh the the Malachor five is really sort of the backdrop of Knights of the Old Republic two, that video game. Like that that's that that's what created uh Darth Treya from Kreia and and Nihilus and uh, Scion. Scion, and that's a very good game too as well. That's a very yeah, good I think story. it's underrated. Oh, um, I, I yeah, one absolutely. of the, such. A, I actually think like I, some people I argue about this with people, but I think it's the better of the two games. <laughs> um, it's definitely more complex. I think. De- yeah, definitely more interesting. Has more layers to it. But um, yeah, this whole idea of like a wound in the force. Um, so I think it's actually kind of interesting. We could, I was looking, I was kind of reading up about it. We could almost maybe squeeze an episode out of uh, force wounds. Okay. <laughs> um, it, 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 <laughs> Sounds a little nasty, but okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, but like they, they have like very um, uh, deleterious effects on people like, a lot of people can even like lose their connection with the force altogether. They like force users can uh, no longer use the force after a, f- a wound in the force is created. Alternatively, like uh, people's uh, force abilities can be uh, very enhanced uh, in the dark side and they can go down very dark paths where they will like uh, learn uh, very dangerous force techniques like what uh, Darth Nihilus did, you know, where he could literally consume the life of people in his vicinity, you know. Yeah. And so, like, uh, these force wounds, um, uh, it, it, again, it, going back to, like, the real world, it's so, sort of interesting how, like, events in history that are really traumatic can actually, like bring forth entire intellectual traditions and stuff. And one thing I've, I think of like, is like the French revolution, you know, yeah. uh, where that, like a lot of our modern day sort of democracy, liberal democracy, like came out of the French revolution, but the French revolution was brutal. Yeah. It was like, it was a nasty thing. And I would not wish like, <clears throat> I would encourage people to like read a bit of the gory details about what happened in the French revolution. It was like, it was not a good time, yeah. even though it's sort of like viewed with rose colored glasses is like, Oh, that's when we became enlightened after the <laughs> yeah. French revolution through lots of blood and <laughs> yeah. a lot of pain. Yeah. <laughs> it was like a very brutal time. And uh, maybe it wasn't, but I, I just kind of think about that. Like, are there certain like ideological strains that because of like, these very traumatic historical events, they that is the only um, sort of environment in which they can like spawn grow. these yeah. ideas. Yeah, exactly. So just an interesting thought about Malachor Five. Just yeah. on that note too, um, we keep bringing up France a lot. The Cathar yeah. extermination happened in France as oh, well. Okay, they were French. Yeah. yeah, and I'm just wondering if this whole era is kind of mirrored on French history. It totally could be because you know Juhani has like almost a French accent in in the games. We stumbled onto yeah. something here. Yeah. So 
yeah, you might. I need to go back and do a lot of French history. Yeah, (laughs) France, maybe to our American audience, I think is very underrated because of (laughs) World War Two. Yeah. Um, but French history is actually quite interesting and very important. They were, yeah, exactly. The French were like a superpower. Yeah, it was always like a fight between uh great britain france France. and germany you know in europe yeah and they had like one of the most powerful militaries and a very strong martial culture even going back to medieval times right so they get a lot of uh flack from pseudo historians (laughs) and like modern jokesters but they do have quite an extensive and uh deep history and a lot of philosophy too yeah yeah a lot of like uh, great thinkers french intellectualism yeah yeah Yeah, have come from the a lot of terrible ones too. <laughs> That's also true. We, we won't get into that though. <laughs> um, a lot of it's like Germany. A lot of great and terrible. That, you ideas. have the two extremes. <laughs> yeah. like, can someone have, just have from, some moderate ideas? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> come from those countries. Yeah. Um. Anyways. Uh, uh. So just some sort of interesting sort of background factoids about uh, Revan, the character. Uh, he was conceived by Drew. Drew Carpishan, uh, and he was the lead writer for Knights of the Old Republic, obviously. Uh, it was kind of his brainchild, I think, and his sort of concept. Um, so thank you, Drew, for giving us this super interesting character. Do you know if he has any other like big credits to his name? or? Uh, you know, I, I'm sorry, I do not know, but... Uh, I'll look into it. Like, yeah, the fans, if you know. Um, I believe he was pretty involved with uh, the second one as well, but too but um uh, sorry if i derailed you no uh there's actually another point that i thought i wrote down but i don't see it here anyway oh yeah uh revan was uh he was slated to appear in the clone wars in season three um but the scene was deleted i guess it was some sort of um maybe a force ghost or something and he and a bunch of other sith lords were supposed to be in it uh, so kind of interesting, but for some reason they retconned it. Did they give a reason? No, not that I could find. I wonder if it's related. So Revan himself also gets kind of, I don't know what the right word is, but um, changed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> kind of going back to the uh, divisiveness of the the Old Republic um, MMO and kind of yeah, what they do with yeah. this character. We'll kind of dive into that in later. Obviously, we're going to come I back. Think, yeah, I think the next Revan episode we do yeah. will be... We can discuss we'll some of those changes. Cover. Some of them pop up even here with the whole Sith influencing the Mandalorian. Yeah, yeah. Back. That was kind of added in post-hoc. That's right. I, and I was, like I said, I was going to get into that, but I wanted to... Save but, that. But yeah, it, it is a little bit... Uh, they perhaps over-explain... Um, what what happens <laughs> with Revan? But yeah, yeah. Um, just kind of going back to Mr. Drew Carpishin. Yeah, Carpishin. Um, he's done quite a lot with um, is it Bethesda or? Uh, okay, yeah. Sorry, no. Is it Bethesda? I th- or Obsidian? Obsidian. Yeah, and Bioware. Yeah, sorry, yeah. Bioware. Uh, he's done a lot of their earlier games, which um, they have their own followings, like Baldur's Gate. Yeah, yeah. Neverwinter Nights, Old Republic, obviously, Jade Empire, Mass Effect 1 and 2. Great games. And even Anthem, which came out in 2019. Oh, yeah, Anthem. Yeah. I've never played it. Um, I played it a little bit. It's okay. Yeah. I, I, I've heard Some people are super reviews. into it, yeah. yeah. Uh, but for Star Wars, his Star Wars credits are pretty crazy. Um, he wrote Darth Bane, Path of Destruction, which oh, okay. is like the whole Darth Bane series, so all three books, which yeah, okay. were pretty well received. Now, actually, yeah, I, I went through the Darth Bane series, and I quite enjoyed it. Okay. Um, and then the Old Republic Revan novel and Old Republic Annihilation. Yeah. As well as his massive, a couple of Mass Effect books as well. So he has like a lot of he what he does do. That's that's actually I didn't realize he was on. I love yeah, Mass Effects. They're such good games. Yeah, and I like the Darth Bane series, and I'm surprised yeah. I didn't even pick up that he was on that Rotom. Yeah, well, that, there's another good guy for, for y'all to read. People good are, good contributor to the legend. Are you listening, era. Disney? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Someone else to tap into. Exactly. Um. Yeah. Uh, so. In, and segueing that into uh, Revan's uh, uh, presence in the Disney canon, uh, which is uh, almost non-existent, <laughs> but it is. There's a mention, a brief mention. Uh, Revan appears um, sort of like a Sith legend, 
uh, in the Rise of Skywalker, the digital companion, he's mentioned. There's like a brigade. Yeah, it's with those Sith legion. Remember, we yeah. named off the different Sith lords that they kind of brought. Right, back. there's these legions, and they're they're all named after a Sith lord, and yeah. one of them is Revan. Um, but like literally nothing else is like yeah. said about it. Um, they were doing a remake of Kotor. Um, but that got canceled and shelved pretty yeah, I, soon after the announcement. Well, yeah, I feel like it, after. it's not going to happen. Ever. No, now it's not yeah. for sure. But for a while there, it was kind of in this creative limbo that like they made the announcement. No one heard of it. And then all of a sudden they canceled it, which I think I'm pretty grateful for. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I yeah. Mean, and I think a lot of these like ancient stuff, their status is kind of in limbo. Yeah, um, because yeah. some of the new material they're putting out, like the High Republic, takes place after this era. So in theory, like Kotor might still be canon. All it takes is someone to wave a wand and just canonize it. Um, yeah, it, it might be because I don't really know exactly what they're doing with the High Republic, but the way they're right, it's weird because the High Republic, the culture, the the aesthetic seems very different than like the the the, the original trilogy. But the old Republic seems way more similar to the original trilogy than the High Republic does. But the High Republic is closer. It's like eight hundred years. Yeah. So if that makes sense, is I don't know. It's kind of wonky. Yeah. How, how and I'm just works. saying, like that's yeah. the farthest that Disney's ventured really right, into the yeah, past. Yeah. And you know, mentions of some of the Sith Lords we mentioned, they've kind of recanonized, but in their own context. Yeah. Like um, I think Ula Keldroma's recanonized. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. I think Nagasato is, but Ludo Kresh isn't. So okay. they're kind of just pick and choosing whatever name, I know, names yeah, they just yeah. want to drop and rip. And yeah, maybe in the future they'll put something out, which again, I'm like, maybe just leave it alone. Yeah. <laughs> it's so weird. Like why, like why couldn't they, I don't know. Never mind. I'm not going to, we get into it too much. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, I just wanted to sort of briefly mention where, it, yeah, we have no idea what's going to happen with Revan, if anything at all. Yeah, in the, I uh, think the Old Republic it still technically counts as canon since it's ongoing. Yeah. So I think that they're in canon. I status. think you're right. Yeah, which would automatically bring Revan into the canon. Yeah, but if you even go on like Wikipedia and you click the canon tab yeah. and the legends tab, the legends tab is like miles long. Uh, a novel <laughs> and then yeah. the, the canon tab is like a paragraph, right? So like even there, it's it, there's like really nothing. Right. So, uh, they, so I don't know. We got to get like... like I I hope if they do introduce him, they don't like retcon all the good parts about him, and like, cha like I kind of I'm not a big fan of what they did to um, uh oh what's his name, blue guy, blue, Thrawn, Thrawn, yeah, <laughs> blue guy. <laughs> I'm not a big fan of kind of what they did to Thrawn. I kind of wish uh, I don't know. It, it's kind of weird how they sort of rebooted his character what they're doing now essentially is they're taking legends content and almost like just re even taking the general story arcs i and know just kind of like inserting their own new characters it's just like it. weird it's after strange, all that talk yeah. of deleting it all and then also pretending like it never existed yeah now they're literally just recycling it yeah i think because I mean, at least they got Timothy Zahn to come back and re rewrite the new Thrawn series, yeah. like the Disney Thrawn. Um, and from I don't know, from what I've re I haven't read that one. I did uh, recently listen to the first Thrawn book, which is yeah. very good, actually. Uh, highly recommend that people read it. So I don't know what the new trilogy, the rebooted trilogy, is, but. I feel like that would be kind of tedious as a writer to like <laughs> go back and kind of redo your novel, yeah. but also a little bit different. Yeah. Change just enough so it doesn't look like you're copying. <laughs> no, I think it's quite somewhere. different. I think it's quite different. The new throne. We'll see. We'll yeah. see. Um, Cause there's still some more coming. There's rumor. Like all, well, all isn't the, there a whole new trilogy already? I'm pretty sure there are, there are new books. Yeah. But there's also going to trilogy of books. They're going to bring him in, I guess during the Ahsoka series that's yet to be released as a oh, recording of this okay. episode, whenever right, the right. future, if you're right. listening in the future, <laughs> yeah, you'll have answered many of our own questions. That's but. true. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, cool. Uh, so we'll just, uh, I'll briefly mention, give us a five-star rating and review. If you can, that definitely helps us, uh, gain more reach you can follow us or send us messages on facebook twitter or instagram or discord 
on the discord note um we still get a lot of messages of people saying they have a bad link uh and i think that's because you're looking i i gotta go back and uh try to um try to uh edit the old social posts yeah not just this, the post, but the descriptions of the episodes because they have the old link. All the newer episodes, like probably the last at least 20 episodes have the the proper link. But um, yeah, just check out the new episode description. It should be the correct link. But I know a lot of people are still asking because uh, we were having issues with the Discord link way back in the day. But um, it's all sorted out now. But just yeah. Uh, so to bear with us, a lot be of patient. Money. Yeah, <laughs> uh, still we still get a lot of messages about oh why doesn't your Discord link work? Do you guys still exist as a podcast? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, so yes, it does work, and we do still exist. I also wanted to uh, mention if you want to support us on Patreon for three dollars a month, and you can get all the uh, paywalled content there. Uh, and you could get access to um, more exclusive groups. We don't do a whole lot, but it just helps us. Um, we try and give you guys a little extra, and it helps us support the show, helps pay the bills and all that helps stuff. Helps us explain to our wives why we're doing this still yeah. and <laughs> not getting real jobs. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, so, yeah, uh, I also want to give a shout-out to our newest patron, uh, Cameron. Thank you very much for your uh, contribution. It is greatly appreciated. Anyways, that's uh, all I had to say. Anything else, Christian? No, I think I've said all there is to say. We'll be definitely revisiting Mr. Revan in the future. Definitely, yep. All right, see you later.